0: Behind Davis with motion by Richard, will get the ball to McClendon, he leaps, oh he doesn't get in, he fumbled the football, Carolina holds, the game is over, and Carolina has won the game.
2: Finley to throw, over the middle, intercepted Wolfolk again, Wolfolk
1: the other way, at the 30, the 40, Wolfolk to midfield.
3: Heel Tough Blog
0: Podcast.
1: Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this mid-season edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys. As always, Josh Marlowe is here as well. And it is time to do our mid-season awards. The bye we couldn't have fallen at a better time because it allows us uh, to do this. So we're going to give out our mid-season awards, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, overachiever of the year so far, um, as well as best game, best play, and best coaching job. So, um, I don't know where, I I would say we're going to start with offensive MVP because that's the most uh, obvious one, and that's the first one that I read off. So, that's exactly how this is going to work. Also, the first on my layout sheet here. So, um, I I feel like most people are going to have the same answer to this. Like Sam, Sam Howell is probably going to be the one that everybody's going to go with. So we'll talk about Sam in just a minute. But is there anybody else that you want to include on this list? I've got two guys that I think we should at least consider, but is there anybody in your mind that you think should be considered here besides Sam?
2: Yeah, you got to mention uh, Devontae Williams, the success he's had on the, in the running game, really has allowed Sam to be effective in the passing game because we've been able to establish the run consistently in just about every game, which was something we've struggled in the in the in years past. Mention him, um, what Diami Brown is doing on the outside. We kind of in the preseason we projected this guy to have a breakout year, the kind of offense. Was going to suit what he does best, which is you know fine grass, and he's had a big uh, a couple home run plays. Mm-hmm. Under the radar guys that you maybe could could mention, um, what Brian Anderson has done the last couple of weeks. Not you know I That's know he's a, I know he's okay. a center, but this was a guy when you. Uh, I had Charlie Heck
1: as one of the guys that. You should look at yeah, it it's um, such a big part. But yeah, no, I get it. Okay, that's cool. a good one though. Anderson deserves some recognition for stepping up these last couple of weeks. Yeah,
2: he's definitely, and I wrote about this after the Georgia Tech game. He's mm-hmm. really settled in, more comfortable with the, the at the line of scrimmage with Sam. You know, their 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 communication has definitely improved right. since he took over from the Miami games when Polino got hurt. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. um, and and, and it's been it's been fun watching an offensive line that was very good last year. Started the year off very good, got beat up, and now they've kind of right, they've kind of right. regrouped, and and Brian Anderson's a big part of that. So Javante, you know, I, we're as big a fan of his in terms of just the way the way he runs the ball. He runs hard. He's a grown man. Um, really like what Diami has done in this offense, and then Brian Anderson, probably my three guys. If I'm not saying okay. Sam Howell, I'm saying.
1: Well, I do have okay. I have Javante Williams on there. Uh, 492 yards so far this season. Three touchdowns on the ground. Um, do, doing some things out of the backfield as well. Ten receptions for 96 yards. I mean, that's not that's not great, but, you know, when you looked at Javante Williams, I don't know if a lot of people thought he was going to be a great receiver out of the backfield, um, but he's he's been phenomenal so far this year. Closing, I mean, look, through the first six games, it means eight yards off the pace to be a 1,000-yard rusher. It would be the first since Elijah Hood did it back in 2015, so he's off to a fantastic start. Diami uh, Brown, as you mentioned, 24 receptions, 424 yards, and five touchdowns. He scored in all but one game so far this season, and yeah, he is he, he is on fire. He has been uh, to me the best receiver on this team. I think you know you can go back and forth with him and Daz Newsome, but. Um, you know, th- this is a guy that has elevated his game after, a, a, you know, a, a somewhat of a quiet start last year to his career. But he fits this offense so much better. And as you've mentioned, he's given the Tar Heels a deep threat that they kind of lacked since Mack Collins was on campus. I-, I really like what we've seen from him. And then, you know, I mentioned Charlie Heck. That would be another guy that you can maybe put in there. Um, you know, again, an offensive lineman, but you just see how valuable he's been by, you know, the the game that he missed against App State and how different that offensive line looked. Now these last two games that he's been back playing with a broken hand, uh, you know, against one of the most physical teams in the country in Clemson and then doing it against Georgia Tech as well. He's been fantastic. And then uh, you know, I guess Daz Newsome. I guess you could include in there, leading the team in receptions. Um, you know, up near 400 yards receiving, just a little bit short of that. And then uh, I, the only other one that I would think, Michael Carter, maybe three. I mean, 387 yards rushing, 107 yards receiving. Um, he does have two receiving touchdowns, but hasn't scored on the ground. So, I mean, th- those are just a couple of the names. But let's talk about the guy that we both have as our offensive MVP for the first half of the season. I
2: never said Sam was mine. You just answered for me. Okay, is that
1: is that who your offensive MVP is for the first half of the season? I mean, I don't know. I
2: think, uh, I think Phil Longo deserves some credit. This is coming after the week after I completely ripped his okay, play whoa, calling. Whoa, whoa, so whoa. now, now That's I'm just being a coaching. cynical. Of course, being of a course. cynical jackass. No, the, the easy answer is Sam. He leads the ACC, right. and well, he, entering last week, he led the ACC in passing yards. He probably dropped because of the off week. Was leading the ACC in passing yards, but right? Even well, he if you don't might look at close. the numbers.
1: Yeah, I think Newman's ahead of him, but Newman got injured in the game, so he's going to be close still.
2: That's impressive. Yeah. Even if you take away the numbers, he's on pace to throw for thirty touchdowns, to only to mm-hmm. get six picks. Mm-hmm. You know, mirroring what Mr. Trubisky did his one year in Chapel Hill before he left for the NFL. He's just there's there's new life in the offense. Um, there's a there's a there's an air of confidence, swagger. He makes plays when the game's on the line every week. We've seen that fourth and seventeen against Miami. Um, South Carolina came back from double digits down in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean it's it's an easy answer. It's not surprising because we knew what he was capable of when he got the job. But I think what's been really fun is we've seen him grow in the offense every week. And it, right. and and that's something that you know you normally don't see with a young quarterback, but you're getting that with same as every week he's getting better at the little things that he needs to get better at.
1: Yeah, he's working through his progressions a lot better. He did, you know, the, I mean, his best game came against Georgia Tech right before we hit the break. So, I agree with that. I'm I'm not going to say that, you know, we're not a little bit surprised. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We knew that this kid was talented. I don't know if we knew that he was going to come in and be this efficient. I, I thought... Just from watching him in high school, he did take a, a, a few, not too many risks, but he was a guy that really trusted his arm and trusted his receivers. And we've seen, you know, some of the other freshman quarterbacks, guys like Bo Nix, who's extremely talented at Auburn, um, guy like Jaden Daniels at, at Arizona State. You know, they've turned the ball over a little bit because, you know, they are trying to make plays. Th- this kid is just, he's so uh, ahead of being a true freshman when it comes to his decision making. he's a guy that's so smart with knowing when to take risks and when not to. You know we've talked about it every time that we go into the stadium and watch him throw. This is probably the best thrower of the deep ball that we've seen for, for Carolina in a, in a long time. I mean we you know of course we've only really been watching Carolina in depth and knowing everything that's going on you know, for probably the last 10 years. But this guy, I mean, he's just different. I mean, his ball placement when he throws it deep is phenomenal. And, I mean, you know, if you, you're talking about a kid that's just tough as nails. I mean, this guy took a beating from the Miami game through the AF State game and has has done a great job. He's still a guy that will stand in the pocket and take the hits to make the throws. And the biggest thing is when it comes to clutch time, he is a guy that knows he, he has to turn it on, and he does a great job of doing that. I mean, I was talking with Chris McLean, who does the morning show here in, in Charlotte, when I was out watching the Georgia Tech game with them, and he said, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. This is a kid that literally looks better when the pressure is on than when there is no pressure. It's very strange, and I mean, to me, that's the best thing about him. He is not afraid of any situation. He will make the plays when he needs to, and that's the reason why. Right now, I mean, he's you know you you could argue he's one of if not the best quarterback in the ACC so far this season uh, through six weeks through or seven weeks now. Um, so I mean I, I think you know there there are a lot of people that are going to have that. I mean, if you guys think it's someone else, of course, that's the, let us know, make the argument for him. But let's head to the defensive side of the football. And I know I I know who you're gonna say right out. I'm not even gonna hesitate. I'm I'm probably gonna agree with you. But um, you know when you look at at the defensive side of the football, this is a unit just as a whole that has performed a a lot better than I think a lot of us thought. I mean we we thought okay, look, especially when it came to run defense, there there wasn't there. I mean you can only improve, can't get much worse than they've been the last five or six years with stopping the run but this this is a unit that as you said last week when we talked about the game against Georgia Tech we can finally trust this unit to make stops and not have to put all of the pressure on our offense in games
2: yeah it's something that we haven't had a lot of trust in the last couple of years we thought we had it after the first two weeks the defense had made plays, and they kind of you know, fell back to their old ways against Wake Forest and F-State. But after that, I mean, the Clemson game really showed. That's one of the most talented right. offenses in the country. You've got the prototypical quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They've got great receivers, great running backs. And Carolina held them under 400 yards, only 21 points. And then you saw them take that success and build on it at Georgia Tech. And, yeah, they gave up 22 points, but some of that was in garbage time and whatnot. There's a chance because of just really how bad this this Coastal is, this defense. Now, I'm not going to say dominant, but can be a really big part if this team was to make a run at the Coastal. You don't feel like Sam howell has got to score 40 every week. And a big part of that is the play of Chas Surratt, the guy that transferred from quarterback. And, you know, when all this happened, we didn't think it was going to. It wasn't going to work, and he looks more fluid at the linebacker spot than he did running Larry Fedora's offense. And that might say a lot more about Larry's system than, than Chaz as a player. But I mean, I've I've watched him live three times, and he's he, and he's everywhere. Yeah, every every time yeah. I every time I've either been in the stadium or looking at the television, he's making plays whether it's at the line of scrimmage, in the middle of the field, or hell. He's running downfield, swatting balls, doing whatever in the pass game. So, really just been impressed with how he's transitioned from that, from the quarterback to linebacker spot, put on some body weight, which you wouldn't tell because he still looks very fast out there in space. And, uh, you know, really found a gem for Jay Bateman to use moving forward with his defense.
1: I mean, look, the kid leads the team in, in tackles, 46 total tackles. Five and a half tackles for loss, which is tied for third on the team. There's there's two guys that are tied for first. And then when it comes to sacks, he's got three on the season, which is tied for second, and two pass deflections, like you said. So I agree with you. He's everywhere. I didn't get why it took until the Clemson game to pretty much start him. I mean, they were trying. I get, look, Dominic Ross has had a good season, but I, I feel like Chad Serrat has shown to this point that – he is the best linebacker on the team right now. I mean, that's that's hard to say because, look, Jeremiah Gemmel has had a, a a hell of a season. But this guy is just different. I mean, you talked about it. Every He's everywhere. He's one of the most physical guys that I've seen on, on a Carolina defense in a long time. I mean, we saw it against Clemson. He runs in. I, I mean, on these blitzes, he, he doesn't really care. He'll take on... A running back, he took on an offense, a couple of offensive linemen. He just that's that's just the way he plays. He plays with reckless abandon, and that's what you want to see. He's a guy that's developing as an open field tackler. I mean, he's missed some tackles, it's going to happen when, whenever you're still making that conversion over from quarterback to linebacker. And he's great out in space. You mentioned it. I mean, in past years, we've really had trouble with our linebackers having to cover those athletic running backs and tight ends, but. This is a guy that's just different. He's been making those types of plays so far this season. So, I mean, he's definitely the front runner. I I mean, I, I see I think this is closer than the offensive side of the ball. I'm gonna be honest with you, because I think Aaron Crawford has a really interesting case here. I mean, twenty-nine total tackles, which is fourth on the team, six and a half tackles for loss, tied for first, and three sacks, which is tied for second. And he's doing all of this out of the nose tackle spot, which, you know, I mean, I, I think we felt was like was going to be a, a more normal position for him because of his size. But usually a nose tackle in a 3-4 defense is, is there to be a, a space eater, be a run stopper. Aaron Crawford's doing both. He's, being a, he's a guy that's getting pressure on the quarterback while also being able to beat that guy in the middle that's shutting down the running lanes like he needs
2: to. He may not be the quote-unquote MVP of the defense. He's the most important part of what Carolina wants to do defensively. And we, we've known that for the last two years. He just couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And now he's finally healthier. And you see it every week in the stat sheet. He's in the backfield making plays. Yes. He's getting to the quarterback. He's always been very good in in, in in the run fit side of things. So, you know, I see where you're coming from, where it's probably closer I would still lean to rap because really this came out of nowhere. Right, this right. wasn't expected for him to be arguably the best linebacker on the team. Like like you mentioned, yeah, um, really took a, a position away from Dominique Ross who hasn't been bad. It's just, so it's I been think Ross has
1: been better. Ross has been great. And what they're doing now, what they did against Georgia Tech, was they threw all three of them out there. They put Ross, at outside linebacker, which I like a lot. He played outside linebacker in high school and was able to get after the quarterback a little bit, as well as do a great job of keeping contained when it came to run fits like you talked about. I... I mean, I think all three of them on the field, I mean, to me, that seems like your best option right there. That That's going tough to be tough to run on if, if you're an ACC offense.
2: Well, it makes it easier when Chaz and Gimmel are very good flowing sideline to sideline. Right. And and that's right. something that we haven't been good at under when we were under Larry Fedora was the linebacking play was not good flowing to the ball. But Chaz and Gimmel have the speed and really the, the the their instinct to find the ball and make a play on it, and that allows you for Jay Bateman to blitz a little bit more often when he can trust. And the back end, they're going to make plays.
1: Yeah, and and the only so, I mean, those are the two. I would agree with you that I'd probably lean Surratt just because of you know. I mean, I if if you look at it, he's probably been the best defensive player for the throughout the season. I think Crawford. Is right behind him, and then the one, the other one that I included in there that I thought we should talk about is Miles Wolfold because I mean he's he had a phenomenal start to the season, 24 total tackles, one tackle for loss, three interceptions, and he did that in three and a half games. Of course, now he hasn't played since the game against uh, App State, injured his foot. Um, but this guy was, uh, you know, was at. The time of his injury, one of the leading interception players in in the country, and now I mean, you know, he's, he's of course moving down those boards a little bit, but this is a guy that also feels like a really valuable piece for the Tar Heels. If they can get him back at some point of the season, that, that that would be pretty huge.
2: Yeah, he he really great start to the season. Right. Essentially helped car won the game for Carolina. Then season opener pretty much, Charlotte. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, after the coaching staff trying to screw it up with some of their decision making late in that ball game. But it's not just the interceptions. It's the tackling, which the team needed because Miles Dorn – Basically, for how to tackle the first part of the year, he's kind of cleaned it up here recently. He's, he's been a lot better um, here, yeah, definitely. So that, that was good on that end. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just hard to say, yeah, he's he's an MVP. He, he hasn't played in three weeks. Right, um, right. it be good to get him back. Hell, will get the whole secondary back because they all seem hurt at this time of year. Yeah. But, I mean, definitely going to be another piece going into next year uh, as it will be a senior and Jay Bateman's uh, secondary. Yeah, do I I don't want to talk about that secondary just yet because uh, that, that, that gets me just – so excited about
1: what that that team can be next year with all the pieces that they're returning but uh, I, th- I thought we, we you know was willing you know it was something that we had to mention just how good he performed uh, in those first three games of the season I think he'd be right in the conversation if he doesn't get injured um, because I mean you got to feel maybe he creates another turnover or two he, he was just that effective early in the season uh, is there anybody else that we're wanting to put in this group in, in consideration I mean of course there's a couple other guys that you should you know that have had good starts of the season that you might want to mention um, I mean like Jeremiah Gimmel's a guy that you know we've really liked how he's he's looked you know he had two great camps uh the, the previous two years and really just didn't get a whole lot of playing time now he's finally getting the playing time and he's living up to expectations he's been fantastic um I mean, is there, is there anybody else? I've got one more name, but I want to at least give you a chance that one more name that needs to be mentioned. I don't think he's in the MVP race, but he's a guy that's had a good season.
2: Uh, plus, surprise, Storm Duck filling okay. in in the okay. secondary. That's a good one. That's um, a good one. Maybe not by choice. It was just the fact that you had injuries and then the fact that, well, Greg Ross is not good. Um, r- hey, really, hey, 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 Greg's really, got to start the rest Really of the allowed season. him to, to get some time well, on the good. field. And you saw it in the Clemson game. Made some made some plays in the secondary, uh, if, if anyone did. And yeah, he did a
1: good job against a guy in Justin Ross. That's probably gonna go top two rounds of the NFL draft at
2: some point. So I mean, hey, you got a you got an elite name, and you're playing pretty good defensively. I'll take that. So no.
1: the only the other one that I was gonna mention is Timone Fox because he does have six and a half tackles for loss, which tied for the team lead. Leads the team in sacks with four and a half. The only thing for Timon is three, It comes in bunches. Three, yep, yeah, three and a half sacks came in the first two games of the year. And yeah, I mean that's that's what we're looking for from him is just a little more consistency. That's the reason I can't put him in the race. But I, I feel like he was definitely worth mentioning because you know he is leading the team in sacks. He's had a pretty good start to his senior year. So um we'll we'll go with okay now this one I, I'm I'm intrigued here. I, I think you know th- we're we're gonna stick because chaserat is in this category as well. His biggest overachiever so far this year. Now it's interesting because is it Surratt or is it Javante Williams? Because both of them have really solid arguments. Because let's be real, we didn't see either guy being as productive as they have been so far this year.
2: I think I'm going to lean Javante. Wow. Just I'm because. We, oh, wow. You know, was, was he not listed as the third? string running back like we, we in spring there yeah, was some
1: momentum as he went through fall but yeah yeah you're we, right
2: we entered the season expecting this to be more of a Michael Carter Antonio Williams kind with of the back with a
1: sprinkle of Javante. and, and that's not that all is. changed
2: yeah. with his performance in the opener against mm-hmm. South Carolina here in Charlotte and he's really never looked back um really I mean he's taken away whatever little snaps Antonio Williams is getting because he runs harder, so I feel like there's more trust in third and two or fourth and one if needed to get a yard. I'd much rather give it to Javante because the thing about when he runs, and you know, I see a lot when I watch Ezekiel Elliott run on Sundays, he's always falling forward, and because he's always carrying positive momentum. Right. So I mean, it's it's a toss up, but I would just lean Javante because I think there was a chance we could see Chaz flourish because he played defensive on the defensive side of the ball here in high school. Uh, but I don't, maybe not to the level. Javante, no one expected this, I don't think, uh, this year.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting argument because Javante, I mean, we remember him. He came in as, I mean, just a borderline three-star. They were, I mean, he was right on the edge of being a two-star guy. He was a late addition to, to the class, a guy that you know most people looked at and said, okay, Larry, what, what are we bringing this guy in for? Like, Is this just something that's a guy that we're bringing in because we just don't have enough guys to fill the class at the time? Um, and I went back and watched his film. I, I thought, you know, okay, this, this is not what this kid is. This kid will make an impact at some point. He has the ability to do something. I didn't see this coming where he's the leading rusher. And in my mind, I think is you know, out of the two of them, I think is the most effective, the more consistent out of the two. But, uh, yeah, he's had a fantastic season. I'm going to go with Sarath, though, just because, I mean, this guy might be the best. I mean, we just talked about it. We put him as our defensive MVP. He is the best player on this defense. And, and that, I mean, is just amazing to me. Because there are guys, we talked about Aaron Crawford, Miles Wolfolk, I mean, there there are guys on this defense that are extremely talented that will be playing on Sundays, and Chad Surratt looks like he could be one of those guys. I mentioned, leads the team in tackles. He's, you know, you, you mentioned everywhere on the field, he plays sideline to sideline, which is something that we just really haven't had since the Butch Davis era. Maybe just a little bit after that with Kevin Reddick, that was probably the last guy that you could see doing that, but that was a Butch Davis guy that stuck around with Larry. I mean, this – it's just – he's blown everybody's expectations out of the water. And, you know, as of right now, I mean, you you feel like looking at him going forward, you know, he's only going to get better. And he's still got a senior year ahead of him as well. I mean, the, the the ceiling is extremely high for Chaz Surratt at linebacker. He's been phenomenal so far this year. So, I, yeah, I, I'm going to give the nod to Chaz, but it was definitely close. The other guy that I put on the list, because I did three for each one of them, I put Storm Duck as, as another guy that's been an overachiever, one of the guys that we could talk about, you know, like you mentioned, did such a great job coming in in his first career start against Clemson, uh, you know, against one of the best wide receiving cores in the country, probably the best in the ACC, only argument would maybe be Wake Forest, Carolina is is, is pretty good as well, but I don't know if they're quite up there just yet, but uh, he, he did a fantastic job. I, I thought he played well uh, against Georgia Tech as well. Greg Ross was the man that really struggled against the Yellow Jackets. So uh, I thought he was another guy that was worth mentioning. So um, we'll move on there. Uh, let's go to best game of the season. I think there's – I mean, there's there's only two that are in the running here, right? Like, I put down the Georgia Tech game because it was a historic performance from your quarterback, but, I mean, it's, it's Miami or – south carolina right i mean that's that's got to be the pick right there right, were
2: well, you one for like as a team effort best well
1: not well best i guess it's best game I, I wouldn't say maybe best win you could you could interpret it as as well but like out of those two games which one do you think was the
2: i i don't this is bad but it's neither it's it's clemson even though you that's lost that's a loss see I um, wouldn't have
1: put see I couldn't put that because on because you lost the game
2: I, I I feel like that game more than the whenever South Carolina whenever Miami signified that Mac Brown was back he had a team that was 27 point underdogs and you effectively outplayed the best team in in, in at the time in, in the country we thought of at, right now I think we all have a different opinion of what Clemson is mm-hmm. um and had a chance to win that game with all the deficiencies, with the injuries in the backfield, with the, with the rookie quarterback, with the wins, uh, I think it's my aim just because of how you had to win the game. You had to convert a fourth down and 17 um, at a time in the game where your offense didn't – You didn't. Have, I don't think anyone had faith we were going to convert the play because the offense in the second half wasn't all – wasn't clicking like it did in the first half of the ball game. Um so I would probably lean Miami just because any anyway, first game back for Mac Brown and Keenan Stadium, that was as good as atmosphere as I've ever seen in Keenan Stadium in all my years following Carolina football. We were there, so that kind of maybe had some personal bias towards that being in the stadium to watch the comeback. But I, yeah, uh, I, I'd say Clemson. I know why you can't because we lost the game, right? But in so in, in, in a lot of ways, you won the game. Well, see, I, I'm, I'm gonna
1: go. I'm gonna go with Miami. Because of the way that the team came back. I mean, I get I get, you know, if you're looking effort-wise, Georgia Tech's probably the game you lean with. Either that or Clemson, one of those two games. But if you're looking at, you know, the best, I would say the best win of the season is how I would phrase it. That's kind of what I was going for when I initially thought of the category. I would go with Miami because look, it was it, it was a night game. First game back in Keenan for Mac Brown. You mentioned the environment was crazy and you felt like okay if you win that game 2-0 your season is heading in a great direction a direction that we didn't think we would be heading to start the season because we thought okay one of the two games to start the season we're going to be a loss and the other thing is you knew if they won that game keenan was going to be electric for the rest of the season people were going to show up to watch games there and they have so far so i thought you know you you combine that with the comeback just a you know a great job by Howell to you know a week after doing it against South Carolina coming back from down 11 in the fourth quarter he does it again this time at home with one drive there was no oh well we can punt it away and potentially have the ball back and give him another chance it was look this is the one drive for you kid you got to lead us down score a touchdown or else we're not going to we're going to lose a game that we were up 17 to 3 in he took the football, went straight down the field, and won the game with a great throw to Daz Newsome. So, um, yeah, I, I, I had to go with that for best game. Now we talk about best play. I mean, that that touchdown to Daz Newsome has to be in there. Miles um, Wolfolk's second interception um, to seal the game against South Carolina. And then the other one that I put in there was Deami Brown's one-handed touchdown grab that, of course, closed Carolina to within five, of South Carolina and was their first touchdown in the game in Charlotte?
2: I'd probably go the 4th and 17 conversion play just because okay, that, that well, there, allowed... There
1: you go. There's one that's not on the list. That was a good one. That there
2: allowed you. to extend the drive and get the, the touchdown to Newsom to effectively win the game. But, I mean, you just got to look at the situation, the fact that before a questionable review, Carolina was lined up to punt the football. Yes. And then... Over the over the course of the timeout, Phil Longo convinced Mac Brown to go for it. There's not many plays in your playbook for fourth down and 17, and but you were, you were able to get something drawn up and, and convert it. And it, you know that so that's where I would go. Um, just because I I don't know about you, I didn't think we were going to convert the play, and and wasn't just because I you know I'm not a, a negative fan. It's just how many times did you see fourth and 17 converted. Yeah, it's pretty rare. And a, I mean, lot he, was, a lot of it was a lot of it was bad on Miami just because the way they lined up. Whereas I'd have put eight defenders at the the at the first down marker and said, "Okay, we're going to cover your ass," and they didn't. And Sam Howell escaped me in a nice short I think it was to Toe Groves who yeah, caught the Toe ball. Toe
1: Groves was the man that made the and, and catch. And
2: so that's that's where I would go. That's right. The the the, the a good one. Diami Brown catch was phenomenal. That was you know what we expected from him to be able to make this kind well, of well not, uh, not circus, that catch circus that, that was that uh, was wild. But I mean, you also got to look at the Sam Howell's throw against South Carolina through three Gamecock defenders. The fact that well, he somehow got it through there. The only reason that I
1: didn't include that was was that I mean that takes a lot of skill. But that 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 play was also just a ridiculous amount of luck. Third right? down
2: conversion in the fourth quarter. That's a good point. That's a good point. There's I mean, an argument. Carolina doesn't win that game without that conversion happening. So true. True. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're looking. You're, those are two really big
1: plays. I went I went with Miles Wolfolk's second interception against South Carolina because I'm going to be honest, they were moving the ball extremely well both times that he intercepted the passes. They, they I were was moving convinced the ball well. they were
2: going to find a way to screw it up.
1: I mean, and that's kind of how you felt as well was, okay, we've been here so many times over the last couple of seasons, especially against FBS opponents, and we have found a way – to let these games slip away where we've been in control we felt okay we're gonna find a way to win it but in the back of your mind you're like okay they're gonna something's gonna happen here and that was kind of how it felt in that game as well was okay they're gonna find a way to put together a drive and all of a sudden they're starting to move the ball down the field they had some confidence right before that they had gone to the end zone and just overshot i believe was it Brian Edwards? Maybe it was one of the tight ends, too. Right down the middle of the field. And I'm like, okay, they're they're starting to find something here. You know, I, I was thinking, okay, in past years, we've seen as the game's gone along, the defense has started to struggle. They just haven't had enough stamina to keep up with the opposing offenses. And Miles Wolfolk comes up with a huge interception on the play. I mean, it was a bad throw by Jake Bentley. Wolfolk was right there sitting in the zone, made a great play. Um, But it was just huge. That that was the one that I went with because I truly believe that South Carolina probably would have driven and, and scored a touchdown there. And taking the lead again, so I I got to give Miles Wolfolk that one because I mean that's a big reason why they why why they won that game. I mean that's the main reason in my opinion that they held on to win that game. So um, you know that that was a huge win for Carolina to start the season off on national television. Mac Brown's first game back on the sidelines as the Tar Heel head coach. They get a victory over South Carolina. Now of course they tried to give it away at the end with whatever that was taking the knee with 10 seconds to go on fourth down that we still are trying to figure out. But, um, you know, I, I, I give it to Miles Wolfolk. You go with uh, Toe Groves and Sam Howell hooking up on the 4th and 17 play, uh, which was phenomenal as well. So the last one that we'll do here is best coaching job. Now, I should have phrased this better because we have a response uh, that I'm going to read here in, in just a second from uh, one of our fans who sent it in. Um, I When I say best coaching job, I really was looking at the assistants on the staff. So not including Mac Brown, who has been the best coach on the staff so far this year.
2: Uh it's I, it's easily been J Bateman okay. with what he's done defensively with the unit we we've, we've read the stats. Okay. How they've improved. But you also gotta look, um, you know, the world's team's gotten a lot better. The defensive line's a lot better. So Tim Cross Tim has Cross done a, has, a has done a pretty good job. Okay. The linebacking core is, you know, which was a really big question. Now you kind of count on with the secondary being so banged up. So you look at there. offensively. Um Tim Brewster's had a really big impact on the on the recruiting trail. The Titans haven't been, you know, productive in the offense. They, they've been really but, good in run blocking yeah, situations. I will the, give them that. Yes, um, but I, I'd probably look at the the biggest question we had on the offensive side of the ball. The hires was the offensive line coach Stacy Searles. Yes, and this it's offensive job. and the offensive line. Sure. I you know I look at it every week and they've held up all through six weeks. So, uh, but Jay Bateman is is easily the the, the answer. For okay,
1: this. so yeah, so Jay Bateman was my guy as well because this defense, as we've seen, especially against Clemson. Um, is, is just a completely different unit. They have confidence in a, in themselves now. I mean, look you look at the fact that they're holding teams to 160.8 rushing yards. And here's the thing. Most teams in the country would say, you're freaking out over ho- holding opponents to 160 yards rushing a game? This is a Carolina team that has allowed over 200 yards rushing in six straight years. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. Nobody in the country does that. They're... It, you usually find a way to improve enough to at least hold them to, you know, 180, 190. No, this team led up over 200 yards on the ground in six straight seasons. I I, I mean, uh, Jay Bateman, w- what he's done, and the, also the fact, I mean, look, look at the position that he also coaches, safeties, which is just beaten all to hell right now. You know, Miles Dorn has stayed healthy, but everybody else, I mean, you look, Miles Wolfolk out for an extended period of time. Cameron Kelly comes in for one game, gets injured, out for the season. Now Don Chapman's back there. He comes out against Georgia Tech. First game that he starts, he intercepts a pass. I mean he's he's just he's working wonders with this guy these guys and that's amazing. I put Tommy Thigpen on there as well, co-defensive coordinator. Um, but really, I mean, Jay Bateman is the face of that defense right now when it comes to you know who the DC is. But Tommy Thigpen is doing a great job. He's also the linebackers coach, and you can see the difference in, in this linebacking core from last year even to this year. Now he was on the staff last year. But well, you can tell now Mac is trusting him a little bit more. He's gotten you know what what he likes to do with his linebackers in place, and these guys are really responding well, and uh, th- th- it's paid off big time. And then when I looked at the offensive side of the ball, I had to go with the leader of the chain moving gang, and I, I went with I mean I went with Robbie Kerlespi because look at that running game this year, as opposed to what it's been the last few years, where they have struggled to run the ball, even with the fact that they couldn't throw it down the field. This is a totally different run game. Both Michael Carter and Javante Williams have been a big part of why this team has been able to move the ball effectively. He's helping to he's helped to open up the passing game, take a little bit of pressure off of Sam Howell, which was what we asked the running backs to do before the season. So I think Robert Gillespie at least deserves a shout out. He's done a hell of a job. So um, I think those are those are all the awards that we had. Um, I I don't think there's uh. There's any uh, other ones that we were wanting to give out. So, um, you know, I, that's that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Um, Anything that we want to mention uh, about this team as they sit here at the midway point of the season at 3-3? Three and three?
2: Yeah, they've already won uh, as many games they had the last two years in any season. So it's been a lot more fun that's doing point, yeah. doing the podcast. So and only, you know, last year, this uh, this time last year, we were pretty much saying, when the hell are we firing Fedora? <laughs> Most of the time it was like,
1: okay, so we're going to do a football podcast before we do basketball, right? Yeah, we're doing that so we can just kind of get it out of the way and then move on to talk about basketball, where we have some hope. I mean, because you're sitting there at one and five on the season, you're you're really not saying to yourself, "Man, this is a team that can find a way to win a game." Now, I mean, no, I agree. It's it's definitely been a lot better. I mean, well, you sit you, you see where this team sits right now in the ACC Coastal. I mean, two two and one in conference, tied with Virginia atop the ACC Coastal. I mean, it feels like this team. You know, we we have an interview that I'm going to put right after this that you guys can listen to on this uh, midseason edition, where we talk to Bill Bender of the Sporting News about where this team's at. I mean, this there there is a reason to be confident that this team can find a way to win the ACC Coastal for the first time since since 2016.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you, you just went to Georgia Tech and won somewhere you haven't won. Now you get to Blacksburg where you haven't won but twice since. Mac Brown left or they joined the ACC. Um, you get Duke at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You get Virginia at home. You take care of those. You've owned Pittsburgh for the, since Pittsburgh entered the league. It really sets up for Carolina to to really maybe be the odds on favor. They are favored to win every game the rest of the way, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Don't know how much you read into that, but no one would have thought that when the, the season started. Right. And that mean look, it's year one under Mac Brown. If you'd have told me we'd be three and three at the midway point with a chance to win the Coastal, I'd take it. They're on track to make a bowl game, which is where I had this team in the preseason at seven and five. They're they're on pace to do six and six or better. Um, so it, at least it's going to be a lot of fun watching the the rest of the way. And we're watching Mac Brown just continue to prove why he was the right guy to come lead this program.
1: Yeah, no, I th- I think you're right about that. I I think that you know pretty much. I mean, if he Make making a bowl game was kind of where our expectations were at. There's a chance that he, they could definitely overshoot that. I mean, if they win the ACC Coastal, that is. I know there were some fans in the preseason saying this team could be eight and four, nine and three. I mean, look, you might have believed that because you're you're a little bit biased and you just wanted to have some faith in Carolina, uh, but. If, if we were being serious, I don't think anybody thought that this team was going to be in the ACC Coastal Hunt. Mainly, or late in the season, last two weeks of the year, I'll say. Mainly because we thought, okay, either Virginia is going to be really good, Virginia Tech's going to step up and, and, and play for Fuente. Miami, you know they've got enough talent. Maybe they finally get it. And I was one, not the, one of the ones that believed that. I thought that their, you know, Manny D as being a first year coach would definitely uh, show up, and that has so far. But this team, as of right now, like you mentioned, you know, you got the game on the road at Virginia Tech, which you know, we're, you guys can, you know, we're gonna preview that coming up later this week. You guys can hear that one. But I mean, I, I you got a feeling, yeah, if they if they win that game. You're sitting at four and three on the season, three and one in the conference. You get the big game, as you mentioned, against Duke. But those are your top two teams right now in the Coastal, besides Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. You get both of them at home. Then you go to to Pittsburgh, which, as you mentioned, is tough. But it's, it's it's a Thursday night. The good thing for Carolina, another bye week, so you'll have 12 days to prepare for them. They've had their number since they've come into the ACC. Uh, Coastal so I mean look they haven't lost a game to them so far since they've been in the ACC despite some really good opportunities for Pittsburgh to win games Um, both times really coming in Chapel Hill where they had their best chances so Carolina I I think you know they'll be favored in that game as you mentioned you got Mercer and then uh, you close the season at NC State who's not quite looking like the team that some thought they could be so uh, it sets up Carolina's going to have a heck of a chance And, uh, you know, we we were able to talk to Bill Bender about it. So uh, we'll let you guys listen to that now. Here's our interview with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. And we started out by asking him what he thought of where the Tar Heels are at so far in this 2019 season. Uh,
0: They're definitely ahead of schedule. They've been one of the better stories of the season, you know. Uh, Even Mm -hmm. though they suffered the three straight losses, lose to Wake Forest, you know, App and Clemson by a combined total of 10 points. I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't take that That's a Tar Heels fan. So I think, you know, the question now is can they get hot on the back half, take care of business against Virginia Tech, and maybe make a run at the coast. And, you know, when you're dealing with the Coastal, anybody but Georgia Tech could really win this division right now. So I think, yeah, ahead of schedules how I'd use it. Everybody remembers what happens against Clemson, but I think that's just a reflection of what Max Dunn, in a short amount of time.
3: Well, you talk about, you know, what this team has done being ahead of schedule. It seems like the quarterback position is definitely ahead of schedule as well. Sam Howell, you know, we, we knew coming in of a, a former four-star prospect, this was a guy that was going to come in and be able to do some things. But, I mean, this is just a great overall start because he's taking care of the football. He's able to move this team up and down the field, um, especially when he needs to. He's had some moments where he struggled, but... I mean, this this kid is, is really kind of, I'm not going to say light in the world on fire, but, I mean, look, he's leading the ACC in passing yards, so he's clearly doing something
0: right. Yeah, I mean, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. Like you said, leading in passing yards and a high quarterback rating, I had a schedule for sure. And, I mean, that's the difference a big, big-time big quarterback can make. I mean, I know going into the season, a uh, big part of the who I was going to pick to win the Coastal was based on who had the best quarterback play. And in theory, that was going to be Bryce Perkins. But yeah, Hal's definitely going to have them in the mix. Now, can you be consistent with each week now on, on both sides of the ball? Can you keep that running game going? Can you make enough stops against teams that really, quite frankly, they should beat? And uh, you know, how do they handle that going forward? I, I think there's a lot of momentum in North, North Carolina's favor. And on the recruiting trail, you're going to see that because guys are going to want to play with Hal. Receiver's going to play I wanna play with the guy that can get him the football. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, I, you know, we talk about the defense. This is a unit that, you know, I, I think still nationally it is probably not going to be talked about as much. But this is a, a team that is just so much different than it's been the last couple of years. It's finally a, a, a group that you can rely on to get a stop when you need them to get a stop. You know, when you look at this defense, if they can survive all the injuries, I mean, this this unit is is one that can definitely help this Tar Heel team stay in the Coastal Race and could potentially keep you know maybe have them around for an ACC Coastal title, right? Yeah, and, and you know they're in a stage like
0: I think Bobby Bowden coined the phrase about you know with Bill program you start. You you want to start – you're losing big when you take over. Then you try to get it down to losing close, then winning close, then winning big. And r- right now North Carolina is probably in the winning some close games, losing some close games. And you see that with the points allowed and the points given. And you know, when you're playing games in the 20s and 30s, that's going to happen. So I guess the question for me is can they continue to generate a pass rush? You know, you've got a couple players – Surratt, fox you know three three or more sacks you need more sacks you need Mm -hmm. to create more turnovers in these games and and give that offense a chance to you know flip the field quickly and 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 win some of these games that are going to be decided i mean i think you know this that they're going to play close games this year so how many more can you win and can you avoid that like i guess not inexplicable because everybody's about the same but just making sure you win win all those big
3: games Right, no, and I mean, I think that you know they've they've got some familiarity with with playing a lot of those games early in the season. I mean, really outside of the Georgia Tech game, every single game has been close and come down to the final possession. So that should definitely help this team. You, you mentioned, you know, they should be favored in, in a lot of these games going forward. I don't really know because you know with the ACC Coastal, it is just a complete toss up. But, I mean, when you look at this Carolina team, where do you kind of place them when it comes to ranking the teams that you think could win the ACC Coastal as we head towards the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean,
0: that, it'll come down to the road games, really. you mm-hmm. got to take care of business at home. But, I mean, that starts this week. Virginia Tech's been kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde-type team. Mm-hmm. Is that the team that, uh, you know, are they going to – go there and lay an egg or you go there and then you score another big win that that's one that you definitely got to watch because i mean let's you know they're they're a team also four and two playing in the 20s giving up games in the 20s that just smells like another 31 28 type game and the thing that makes it dangerous this week is virginia techs kind of found their footing a little bit they beat Mm -hmm. miami they beat rhode island and all that came after they lost to duke by 35 so a lot of people on the outside will look at that and, and say the ACC is terrible and a bunch of average and all that kind of stuff. The truth is you've probably got a bunch of eight-win programs lumped together in the seven, same division, and that's where you build from there. I mean, nobody in that division other than North Carolina. North Carolina is probably the only team that's going to challenge Clemson this year because they actually challenge them.
3: Okay, interesting, because that, that was going to be my next question. You So you do believe that out of all the teams that are still in the race, we're taking Georgia Tech out of it. You think that North Carolina right now is the biggest threat out of the ACC Coastal to Clemson? I mean, we're not saying that that's a huge threat, but you, you think they're the biggest.
0: Right now, I mean, yeah, because okay. I actually played them tough. And I, and I could see, well, what I could see happening. And we have North Carolina in the Orange Bowl in our – Latest bull projections, and it's probably timely to talk to you just because we think they're the best bet to win the Coastal. But as I told, you know, I think it was on MAC Attack this morning in Charlotte, and I said, if you say anybody but Georgia Tech can win the Coastal, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. So that's what we've got to sort out first. And I bet you somewhere in the back of their minds, Clemson wouldn't mind a rematch with North Carolina and Charlotte because they were, they almost were treated like they lost that game. So if they get North Carolina and Charlotte, they could, you know, in theory, go out and try to write that, try to blow them out, and be looked at a little bit different. That's probably the most visible team they can play left, other than maybe this week against Louisville. I do like. I know that's the other division, Anthony, but that that's a team that I think is trending in the right direction with their first year coach. They made the right hire with Scott Satterfield.
3: Okay. No, no, no. That's, you know, that's perfectly fine because the last question that I was going to ask you is right now, you know, if this Toriel team can can get some of these wins on the board, is, is there a chance that by the end of this season we, we could look at this team if they do what they need to do and take care of business and say, this is the second best team in the ACC when all is said and done this year?
0: Sure. I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think you're seeing like, I know you follow the recruiting in that area a little bit better than I do. Um, mm-hmm. And you're, but I'm seeing the names pop up that are that are signing on to play for Mac. And I wrote about that before the beginning of the season. I, I kind of sense that would happen for for any of your listeners. I mean, if you go back and look at the end of Mac Brown's first tenure at North Carolina, there were just NFL guys all over the place on that roster, and a lot of those guys are coaching now. I mean, Dre Bly is coaching, and mm-hmm. those guys were around Mac the first time. So, yeah, I, I think they if they Go maybe what five and one down the stretch, finish eight and four because you leave one, you leave room for one loss when you have all these inconsistent teams. Right. Um, They would have a chance maybe to go to Charlotte and build off that. And I'm not saying they're going to beat Clemson because I don't think anybody in the ACC will this year, but that's how you learn to kind of position yourself to do that. And I guess the key is can North Carolina take care of business at home and win two out of three on the road against Pitt, NC State? Virginia Tech this week if you believe they can do that and I think it's possible then yeah they'll have a chance to play for the ACC championship I think I mean everybody's got a couple losses already
3: Right. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Carolina tied atop the ACC Coastal right now in the standings with Virginia. And uh, Vegas definitely has Carolina favored. I know they have them favored on the road at Virginia Tech. You would think that they would potentially be favored in both the Pittsburgh and NC State games as well. So, hey, Bill, thanks for stopping on with us, man. Great stuff. Uh, that's that's awesome that you guys have us in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I think, you know, this team's trending in the right direction. I don't know if they, they'll they end up in the Orange Bowl. Uh that, that would be uh, phenomenal, especially for a first year under Mac Brown. But uh, this thing, things are looking up for Carolina right now. Definitely a lot better than where they were sitting at last year. So thanks for stopping by and talking a little Tar Heel football with us at the midway point. Well, how
0: about we do it again at the end of the season and see where Mac takes that team? And that thanks as always for having me on. I enjoyed coming on and. Uh... You know, you it, it's a lot different tenure than the last couple times I came on your show. Ten or not ten <laughs> um, You know, let me to get that right before your listeners catch on. But uh, thanks so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon.
3: All right, Bill. Thank you so much. So we
1: want to thank Bill Bender for stopping by with us on this edition of the podcast. Remember that you can go to Google Play uh, or Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com. Uh, as well as the radio.com app. They'll have everything for you there where you can listen to the podcast or you can just go to the website. That's the best place to listen to you at heeltoughblog.com. You can go there, listen to the podcast, and then after you're done, head over to the news section of the website so you can check out all of the latest articles that we've got on this Tar football team. I've got my mid-season grades Coming out later today, that's going to be awesome for you guys to check out. A grade for each position group. Um, That was something that I've been working on over the last couple of days, and I think that'll be a really exciting article for you guys. Make sure you check out everything uh, that we had from our scouting visit to Mallard Creek High School with Trenton Simpson, um, a guy that the Tar Heels are feverishly trying to flip with the help of a current Tar Heel player, Cameron Kelly. Um, So read about uh, not only his performance, but a little bit about his relationship with Cameron and how that's playing a factor in his recruiting, Um, as well as you can go over and check out some of the basketball articles that we got on the website. We got something up about Cole Anthony being selected as the freshman of the year for the preseason polls um, of the ACC. That was selected at at Media Day. Um, And then also you can check out the article on Caleb Love, as well as we've got an article uh, coming up uh, on Garrison Brooks, right? What are you gonna write about, old Garrison?
2: I love how you just put me on the spot there. Just gonna put the the, the preseason stuff that uh, Garrison Brooks got awarded at ACC okay. media days. Uh, Cole Anthony just got announced uh, that he'd be uh, uh, on the Bob Cousy Award watch list, which of course ooh. is for the nation's top point guard. Right. Gonna probably go and write something about that. Okay. I love how my 4 a.m. morning and off day turns into three articles to write for hey, you. Hey, 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 you
1: suggested. And- I'm, you were gonna write this. This is not my fault.
2: And I'm still not getting paid. Hey, I
1: didn't say they're going up later tonight. Um,
2: they're
1: gonna be up soon. Make sure you guys check that out. We got basketball. Mainly, what I'm trying to say is we got basketball stuff on the website. Make sure you guys go check that out. He'll tough vlog Not only covering football now. We're covering basketball. We've got
2: basketball, and I'm trying to pull some strings to get curling on there. We just got to get a curling program. Started we up had to Carolina. get this joke
1: right in, right? We had it on the Roy's Boys one, so we had to get this joke in. The diving team are looking for someone to cover the diving team. Um, I believe there is a, uh, a rowing team polo uh, we're, we're going to look for that bowling team fencing uh, fencing fencing's real our fencing team I think is like number 3 or 4 in the in the nation Um we we we, we have to get a women's soccer person right like that's that's the we are a women's soccer school if we're being real honest We don't have that. So we got to, well, eventually, you know, look, we're expanding to to basketball. That's pretty much what we're trying to say. Football, basketball on the Heels Up Blog website. Eventually, we will have a baseball writer somewhere. We're going to find someone that uh, is is really into covering the baseball team. They're going to, we'll we'll eventually have that as well. And who knows? Maybe we will add a couple of the other sports on there. If we can find someone that's really invested about writing um, to cover those teams. So if you are interested, of course, reach out to us. Uh, You can do that at Future FutureTarHeel on Twitter for me, at Joshua. Marlon 5 for him either way it doesn't really matter you know we're gonna communicate it to each other so if you're interested in writing for us I mean even if you don't want to cover curling uh, if you want to cover a little bit of football or basketball with us, just let us know. We're always looking to have some other opinions on the website, um, as well as, you know, eventually down the line, maybe getting involved, having you on the podcast for a couple episodes as well. So, uh, I want to thank Josh uh, for stopping by with me doing this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels!